Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex! What's up, man? Hi, Mike. Welcome back. Welcome back to us. Welcome back to you, um, to our listeners. We're glad to be back. I know Mm -hmm. it's been been a minute, but we're really excited to... I'll raise my hand on the responsible for uh, my bad, everybody. Uh, kind of, I, I, self care is important. You it know, is you important. Hear it a whole bunch of yeah. times, and then uh, eventually you're like, "Oh yeah, no, it's important." And it's like, "No, it's real important." This is a month hiatus is what happens when you don't listen to the self care is important stuff. But I'm getting better. I apologize, everybody. Yeah, we hope We're Mike is, is feeling better. Absolutely. Yeah, and I do have to apologize. Like first, you know, first of all to all of our listeners, and second of all, Alex, to you. Um, I introduced you incorrectly. Did you? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Mike Allman, and joining me is my co-host and EDH rec writer, Alex Lapp. Oh, Alex, you're too kind. Judge Alex, rules attorney at law. <laughs> I'm not a real What's attorney. Up, this is not legal advice. Um, yeah, I <laughs> went on the other month uh, on the Brainstorm Brewery stream, yeah. which uh, is co-hosted by Jason Alt, who is... Um, I don't know his proper title. I would say he's the manager of EDH Rec. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we really hit it off, which uh, which I was happy to see. And he invited me to uh, write about any topic uh, related to the rules. And yeah. uh, back in at the end of June, that uh, finally got published. And, uh, and now we have the article here. Maybe some of you have read it. Uh, maybe you haven't, but what we're going to do is go through that article today, and uh, maybe you prefer to listen to an article. Maybe you prefer to to have questions answered. Yeah, both. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah read, read along and, with the group, you know. And, and I mean, Alex, you were the one who brought this to my attention, uh, not because like I was, you know, just I didn't care about it because I do, but you know, there are things like uh, there are cards like Goblin Game where it's like, ah, that's not great because that's not a card that's built for everybody. You know, there are some people that aren't in a position to be able to do things the same way that everybody else. You're right. So the idea of having an article that had an audio format to it. Awesome. You know, also super awesome for me. I'm getting back into the good health and swing of things. So the idea of having an episode where you were going to do 90 percent of the heavy lifting (laughs) and I was just going to be cheering from you, uh, cheering for you from behind the background. That also appealed to me greatly. Um, So, yeah, we're. We're going to be going through this. Uh, this is we'll have a link to the article itself. Also, you should talk to Jason Alt see if he wants to come on sometime because I I, I like I like him too because he likes you. Um, but in the future, that's future stuff. What are we talking about today, Alex? What are we looking into? Right. So today, um, this article, the first one I wrote, is about strange interactions. I've titled the article "This Interaction Does What," and. Uh, I have a couple of interactions I've featured in here, uh, one between uh, Nethroy and Scourge of the Skyclaves, which uh, we briefly covered quite some time ago, and uh, one between uh, that I think is quite more well-known, uh, Silvala Explorer Returned and uh, Glacial, uh, Penglacial Worm. Right. And uh, I think a lot of people have heard of that one. Um, we, we featured it in a recent Judge's Corner, but... I, I found that this would be a good subject for the article because of how many different actual bits of rules knowledge have to be explained to actually comprehend what is going on 
Why is this happening? Why do people talk about it in hushed tones? Why am I being led off the location by an armed guard? Like all of the things that happen when you play that combo. Right. And like, there's a couple ways that you can look into things too. Like it, you know, with the Scryfall bot that exists in our Discord, you can type in rule references and it'll give you the rules language for things. Yes. And then you can read those. And if you're Alex, you you can understand what those mean pretty much verbatim 98% of the time. Um, if you're me, uh, all of those words turn into, okay, that's a lot of words. Yeah, magic really uh, gets into sure. the legalese when you get into the right. actual rules. They don't. They don't have plain English for any of it. Right. And I, I complimented you about this uh, before we started recording, but now I'll do it so it's actually proof um, and evidence that it'll exist forever. Um, the thing that I really liked about your article and your writing style was you gave both the technical explanations and the too long didn't read uh, version in kind of the same context and, and without like an actual skip to the end. So I, even though I don't necessarily get all of how it works, I understand what it means, which is, which is the, you know, the end result, which yeah, is the actual, really Hey, this is what's important. So glad to, hear I, that. I, I'm enjoying it. Thank you very much. I'm glad to, to hear that. Right. Because yeah, it, it's important to, to show your work. But I think that a lot of people, Seeing the the rules numbers themselves, seeing all the you know all the definitions like that can be super overwhelming. It can be, it can be really. You want to walk through like step yeah. by step. This is why this happens, which means that this happens, and then finally this happens. Right. That's why the interaction works the way it does or doesn't. Yeah, you gave the uh, ask Google a question, and it gives you the top answer version, but it also kind of like wasn't just bit. You right. know what I mean? It, it, I like the context. And uh, speaking of, I'm like I said, I'm going to get out of your way. Um, Alex, take it away. All right. Here we go. Article is Judge Alex Rose Attorney at Law. That interaction does what? Hi, I'm Alex. I'm a judge who loves EDH. Our beloved format was created by judges, and I'm more than happy to uphold that legacy, if only by playing. There may not be a judge available for your casual EDH game, Yet the eye-watering number of cards legal in our format creates an incomprehensible number of possible interactions between them. I'm sure you've heard by now that uh, top scientists have declared Magic the most complex game in existence. I will include a link to that study in our show notes. Uh, And it can certainly feel that way when you are staring down a humility and opalescence or a Cheyenne blood moon or anything that has banding. Looking at you, Mike. One day, man. I, I'm going to make a banding deck as soon a as I figure out how deck. it actually works. And then you have to do it with no sleeves and a rubber band. Perfect. Yeah, because yeah. it's banded together. Exactly. 100%. Banding. It's not going to be a good deck unless it, it's, it's a It's banding. It's going to be a terrible deck. But I don't know how banding works, so maybe it's great. Anyway, I'm back We're not the getting into banding. <sighs> the interactions we're looking at today are not necessarily the most complex, like banding, but rather those with the most strange and unintuitive results. Uh, With these interactions, you're sure to amaze your friends and melt their brains at your next game. Excellent. By the time you're through reading this article, I can only hope that you've called BS and asked another judge to see if that is how it really works. So let's get right into the uh, the first interaction here, Mike. I've it doesn't it. work great for me. I, I can't I can't ask another judge. Sure, how you it really can. Works. You're my you're my judge. <laughs> All right. Well, I've conferred. Uh, Fair enough. I'm not going to throw them on or under the bus. 
but a renowned L3 judge uh, who very graciously did a judge proofreading of the article to make sure that this was all correct. Um, obviously, even judges can make mistakes, but having multiple sets of eyes, we can really try to eliminate any uh, misconceptions because we really go into yeah. it here. So the first Thank interaction you. I have is uh, called go forth and subtract negative numbers. All right. Mutate. Is there any keyword in recent memory that causes as many unintuitive and confusing interactions as mutate? Uh, however, while our first example may have mutate and the interaction involves mutating, we don't actually care all that much about the mutation itself. Thank goodness. We're more into what that mutation triggers. Uh, Nethroy, apex of death, is a curious cat slash nightmare beast that wouldn't look out of place in a monster movie and has a monstrous text box to match. Let's go ahead and read that out real quick here, Mike. Uh, Nethroy, apex of death is two white, black, green. That's five mana for a legendary creature cat nightmare beast with the mutate ability. With, uh, <laughs> and it's a mutate for four Selesnia black, black. Uh, that's seven mana. And uh, we're not going to get into mutate, but uh, you can cast a spell for its mutate cost. And uh, then it'll become uh, a merged permanent with a non-human target creature on the battlefield of your choice. Uh, it also has Death Touch and Lifelink. It's a 5-5, five, five, and it has, crucially, whenever this creature mutates, return any number of target creature cards with total power 10 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. We'll get back to that. Now, when we pay Nethra's exorbitant mutate cost of 4 green-white green, hybrid or Selesnia black-black, we would expect to get a massive effect in return. And it could be argued that we do. Whenever Nethroy mutates, we can return any number of target creatures with total combined power 10 or less from our graveyard to the battlefield under our control. What does that mean? We could get 10 one ones, we can get 5 two twos, we can get one big 10-10. You get the idea. Let's keep the grade school arithmetic in mind when we look at the other half of this interaction. Scourge of the Sky Cliffs looks and feels like a sibling of Death's Shadow a well-known one-drop in competitive formats, we all know it. But while Death's Shadow's behemoth of a 13-13 body would be too much even for Nethroy, what do we make of Scourge's power and toughness? Star, star? Uh, looks like some sort of office shorthand. But here it represents one of Judge's many treasured initialisms. A characteristic defining ability, or a CDA, is an ability that tells us information about an object that would normally be told to us in other places. Uh, let's take, for example, Transguild Courier. Uh, would probably look quite fancy with a colorful beach ball of a five-color color indicator right there in its type line. <laughs> um, I would like that. I think at one point Scryfall actually had that on there for some reason. But Wizards of the Coast opted to go with a CDA, Characteristic Defining Ability, uh, Transguild Courier is all colors. Now, the reminder text there, even if this card isn't in play, is quite pertinent here. Reminds us that characteristic defining abilities function in all zones, including the hand, library, or in this case, the graveyard. Okay, so what do we make of Scourge of the Skyclaves' CDA? Let's read this card here. Scourge of the Skyclaves, uh, it's one in the black for a creature demon, power toughness is star star, like we said. And it has a kicker for four and a black. 
When you cast a spell, if it was kicked, each player loses half their life rounded up. Great. Scourge of the Skyclaves' power and toughness are each equal to 20 minus the highest life total among players. Okay. So the star star points us toward that third ability. It's power and toughness equal to 20 minus the highest life total. That confusingly worded sentence holds true everywhere that Scourge exists, not just on the battlefield. Okay. Finally, let's get to the strange and tantalizing interaction itself. Let's say we're in for a bit of a slow game of Commander, the kind with Thirdling, Battlecruisers, stalemates on the combat side. Sounds like a fun time, right? That's what Mike and I like. <laughs> in our hypothetical scenario, each player's life total is still going to be at 40, unchanged from your starting life total. So what is Scourge of the Skyclaves' power and toughness now? Well, that should be easy. That's 20 minus 40, which is negative 20. If it were on the battlefield right now, it would be very dead. So let's say it's in the graveyard where its power and toughness remain at an absurd negative 20, negative 20. Now let's bring Nethroy back into the fray. When Nethroy mutates at great expense, we can reanimate 10 power, combined power, out of the graveyard. But how does that interact with Scourge's unusual power of negative 20? Now, unbelievably, this interaction works out better than we ever could have hoped. And it's right back to the grade school math. 10 minus negative 20 equals 30. Negative signs cancel out. It becomes addition. So now we've selected Scourge as one of the creatures Nethroy will reanimate our budget skyrockets. Instead of 10 power, we get 30 power. That's right. As long as one of our creatures is Scourge of the Skyclaves, we can then choose 30 power worth of creatures to reanimate with Nethroi instead of 10. Will you get Impervious Great Worm and Embercle? Great choice. Or perhaps 31 ones that ended up in your graveyard somehow? Uh, the Skyclave is the limit. Applause, applause. So pack the yard full of bodies for your new best friend Nethroi and its strange and confusing appearance and ability. In a bit of serendipity that beggars belief, at the time of writing, Scourge of the Skyclaves is included in 20% of Nethroid decks. And uh, I think you'll agree, Mike, with an interaction this nifty. Shouldn't it be 100%? I mean, you would think so. You could, it's This really is just nasty. You can card in your graveyard pretty yeah. quickly. You can even cast it. And it's just the two mana. All right, it dies. Now it yeah. goes there. Two mana does. I mean, if you want to do it for some shenanigans without your commander, you can make everyone lose half their life total. It's not a bad yeah. card on its own. No. But no. combine the two cards, you can reanimate your entire graveyard. It's just disgusting. Hmm. It, it's always seemed weird, because I'm, I'm not a big... I don't love when a, when a card is just straight up, you know... I don't like when a deck, all it's supposed to do is find one combo. That's hmm. it, It's fine for other people. It's not how I have fun. I don't even have a problem with playing against it. But... If you have a card that just synergizes so well with a commander, yeah. unless you're not planning on playing that commander, I don't understand the idea of not having it in more decks. 20% is kind yeah, of... Yeah, 20% is strange. And, I mean, it is a combo in a way, but um, yeah, also to keep in mind, that there are cards unspoken, right? We have to have that self mill or the board wipe, some way to get right. our yard full of, like, 30, 30 power toughness worth of creatures... That is a lot. 
you're going to need a really full graveyard to get that value out of there. Yeah, in my head, it's the, you know what? Let's think about it this way, though. Worst case scenario. Let's say you get, like, 13 power out of your graveyard instead of 10. Yeah. That's still one more creature you would have gotten. And Scourge gets to enter. If you have a death trigger, great. There's so many things that Magic likes to do. Enter the battlefield. uh, Death triggers. uh, Just I, I can't believe that this isn't something that isn't more commonly played in Nethroid decks, but yeah, I that's mean that's just, just ridiculous to me. I guess a lot of people don't necessarily know about the interaction, so maybe some people will now. Get to work, Nethroid players. <laughs> All right, and the next interaction I have is is one that I think a lot of people have heard about before, but maybe they don't entirely understand exactly what's going on, or if they do understand what's going on. They don't understand that uh, it's not okay, and we're going to get into quick, all of that. Quick aside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one of the first decks that I built when I was in the same state as you was a Sylvala deck. Yes, I remember. And and you told me about this interaction. Yeah. You said, hey, do you have this creature in there? <laughs> and I said, no, should I? Because I had Probably not, dude. Before. And your answer was, here's the thing. You'd think so, but it's a trap. <laughs> Basically, yes. Basically, yes. We'll get into so, all yeah. of that here. Tell me about the cool Zavala okay. thing. We call this interaction Zavala, Explorer of the Illegal World of Failure. Look who got a reprint in Straits of New Capena. Zavala, Explorer, returned. Let's go ahead and read her real quick, shall we? She's a one green white. That's three mana for a legendary creature elf scout. She's a two four. With an activated ability, Parlay, tap. Each player reveals the top card of their library. For each non-land card revealed this way, add green, and you gain one life. Then each player draws a card. Now that's some good group hug power. We like that. Now Savala holds a dear place in my heart. With her Parlay ability, she nets her controller green, mana, and life, while giving the entire table card draw. What's not to love, right? Even if you're not a steadfast group hug enthusiast like me, like us, really, at least she's not as powerful as her mono green counterpart, right? Well, (laughs) you may have already heard Zavala's name uttered in the same sentence as Panglacial Worm, a card infamous only in relation to her. So let's read that one real quick, shall we? Panglacial Worm is five green green, seven mana for a creature worm. To 9-5 with Trample. While you're searching your library, you may cast Panglacial Worm from your library. I think it's about the only card in the game that does that. Zavala's exploration of the rules does not start and end with nearly unplayable worms erroneously embedded in your library. The true problem is she's too fast. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. To understand Savala's strange nature, we must first understand the process of casting a spell. Back to basics here. From my experience, most magic players tend to float their mana before revealing the spell they're about to cast. Somehow it just feels right to do it that way. However, before you begin casting a spell is most certainly not the only time that magic players can activate mana abilities, and it's not how the rules are written. 
And I'll go ahead and cite here rule 601.2a to propose the casting of a spell that player first moves the card or a copy of that card from where it is to the stack. It becomes the topmost object on the stack. It has all the characteristics of the card or copy associated with it, and that player becomes its controller. The spell remains on the stack until it resolves, is countered, or a ruler effect removes it elsewhere. So the first step of casting a spell is moving it to the stack. Then things like modes and targets are chosen. Then the total cost of that spell is calculated. Then finally, the caster can activate mana abilities to pay the mana cost of that spell. Here's rule 601.2G. If the total cost includes a mana payment, it almost always does, the player then has a chance to activate mana abilities. Mana abilities must be activated before costs are paid. Okay, so what's a mana ability? It's just an ability that adds mana, right? Well, let's continue our Magic Comprehensive Rules journey into the actual definition of what exactly a mana ability is. Here's rule 605.1a. An activated ability is a mana ability if it meets all of the following criteria. Number one, it doesn't require a target. Number two, it could add mana to a player's mana pool when it resolves. And number three, it's not a loyalty ability of a planeswalker. Okay, so let's compare Sovala's parlay ability with the criteria just to see if everything checks out here. So it doesn't target. It's not a loyalty ability, and she's not a planeswalker. And finally, the adding mana parts. Right. So a mana ability doesn't actually have to add mana. It's enough that it could add mana. It doesn't have to. So unlike most mana abilities, Savala's Parlay adds a non-deterministic amount of mana between uh, 0 and n, n being the number of players in the pot. Right. So we can add 0, 1, 2, 3, or 4. It just depends on what people are revealing off the top of their library. So, what is all the fuss about making sure Zavala's parlay ability is technically a mana ability? Well, it's all in the timing. Earlier, I mentioned how magic players seem to have a habit of activating mana abilities prior to casting a spell. We call it floating. Personally, I do it all the time. I do it for everything. But crucially... I, I think most people do. Yeah, almost uh, everyone sorry to, does. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. I, almost like, everyone does. We're not, we're not playing magic wrong, but we're definitely no. doing it the way that is the opposite of what... I think it was designed to do, yeah. right? You're, you're, I'm going to cast a spell. You show the card. Then you pay the mana to actually cast the spell. Then people can interact with it. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of weird how we all tap our mana first, then play the card. I but think it doesn't matter. It's like a flair for the dramatic, right? You want yeah, to rules you wise, be like, it okay, matter. so we're, yeah. we're tapping all the mana. What is he going to reveal? Oh, gosh, oh there's the spell. Man. Oh, ah! it's a panglacial worm. Um, I think that's like everyone's everyone's like whispering, like, what is just happened? 14 mana. Like, what is he going to do? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think everyone just does it because that's just how it's done. And it's not against the rules to do it that way. Very important. Right. You are allowed you to do it that mana, way. Then just do it. Yeah. Right. It, it's, but it doesn't. That's not yeah. where the rules tell you to do it. <laughs> and that really comes into play here. That's very important. It's much more dramatic on TV, and th- and frankly, that's where we all see the magic, right? I mean, I see magic in person sometimes. I know, I was joking. All right, fading back <laughs> into the background. Continue. Okay, so what's all the fuss with making sure it's technically a mana ability? So players 
like to float their mana before they cast a spell, but mana abilities specifically are allowed to be activated during the spellcasting process we talked about earlier. At the very end of the spellcasting, after you've chosen the modes and the targets, after you put the spell in the stack, then you can uh, activate mana abilities. So, for example, uh, we have Chandra Bull Pyromancer. Her plus one loyalty ability does add mana, but it's not a mana ability. You can only float that mana, right? Why is it not a mana ability? Because she's a planeswalker, and that's a loyalty ability. Okay? So, now that we have all the pieces, let's zoom back out here. Say we have three green mana in our mana pool. Uh, Sofala is untapped, and we have four players in the pot. So, we could get up to seven, which is what Banglacial Worm costs. We'll crack a fetch land and begin searching our library, during which time we spy our Panglacial Worm in our library. Cost 5 GG, that's 7, and we decide at that time we want to cast it, because Panglacial Worm is allowed to be cast while you're searching your library uniquely. Um, now, incidentally, we can see every card in our library while we're searching it, but we have to keep them in the same order until the effect tells us to shuffle. That's very important. We'll get back to it. So we'll begin casting Panglacial Worm by moving it from our library directly to the stack. And then we get to the part where we can activate mana abilities to pay for the spell. So we'll activate Sofalo's Parlay. Each player is going to reveal the top card of their library. And luck of the draw. We get two lands, two non-lands. Anyone who plays Sofalo knows what that means right away. We get two life, two green mana. And each player draws a card. So that's a GG, right? That's not enough mana. That's only two. It's not enough to cast Panglacial Worm, and we're out of mana sources. Right, because uh, even if we had enough or almost enough, our fetch land is not coming out of the library yet. We haven't finished that process yet. So we're casting a spell. We don't have the mana to cast it. What happens next? Now, unfortunately, we've taken an illegal action and our opponents have already called a judge. What is an illegal action? Let's take a look. In the rules, we have 726.1. If a player takes an illegal action or starts to take an action but can't legally complete it, the entire action is reversed, and any payments already made are canceled. No abilities trigger, no effects apply as a result of an undone action. If that action was casting a spell, like in this case, the spell returns to the zone it came from. Each player may also reverse any legal mana abilities that player activated while making the illegal play. Unless mana from those abilities or from triggered mana abilities, just separate kind of mana ability, they caused trigger was spent on another mana ability that wasn't reversed. Players may not reverse actions, this is important, that moved cards to a library, moved cards from a library to any zone other than the stack, caused a library to be shuffled, or caused cards from a library to be revealed. Well, hey, it's okay. We'll just put Panglacial Worm back in the exact spot in our library we pulled it from, right? You kept track of it. You didn't reorder any of your cards while you were searching, did you? Uh, then the rules say we just rewind the mana ability. We activate it, and uh, it's no harm, no foul, right? But, shoot. Uh, two things happen that we can't undo. Each player revealed the top card of their library, and each player drew a card. 
If I could turn back time, Mike, if I could find a way, I would do it, but I can't. Uh, so Valda's ability can't be undone because parts of it can't be undone, right? If you can't do it, partial rewind, you can't do it at all. This isn't just illegal. This is advanced illegal. Uh, blah, now, blah, blah. <laughs> while most EDH games are played unsanctioned, uh, that is to say casually at the kitchen table or at the LGS, but outside of the tournament setting, uh, we can still reference the tournament rules for situations like this. Let's take a look at a judge's best friend, the Infraction Procedure Guide, or IPG. A lot of players don't even know this book exists. IPG 4.8. A person breaks a rule defined by the tournament documents, lies to a tournament official, or notices an offense committed in their or a teammate's match, and does not call attention to it. Additionally, the offense must meet the following criteria for it to be considered cheating. Number one, the player must be attempting to gain advantage from their action. Number two, the player must be aware they were doing something illegal. Cheating. Uh, wow, that is a dirty word. Now, we followed all the rules text and the magic comprehensive rules, but we're still cheating. How is that possible? Well, consider that while we were searching our library, we happened to see the top card, which we are allowed to look at because we're looking at our whole library. What if the information about what that top card was influenced our decision as to whether or not we wanted to draw it with Selvala before completing our search for a land, right? Because if we completed our search for a land, then that card that was on top would get shuffled back in. And then we would have an opportunity to draw a different card with Silvala. We could decide we didn't want the top card, finish our search for a land, then shuffle and put a new card on top. You can see how this would be a problem. You're gaining free information. However... So it's not the fact that you are trying to get uh, free information from this. It doesn't matter. For this to be something that you would be doing, you're getting information no matter what. So the intent isn't the issue. The intent is actually very much the issue, and, and we'll oh. get into that. Intent is okay. very important here. Um, that's an excellent that's a, point. That's Michael. called a spoiler. We're, we're going to bring that <laughs> up. Foreshadowing. I, yeah, absolutely. Intent is, is pivotal here. So a magic player who ends up in this scenario purely by accidents, who's never considered how they might gain an advantage from this really wacky interaction, you're not cheating. Oh, good. But. Now that you know about this, if you ever try it, now you're cheating. You're welcome. Did you just did you just tell everybody about the game? Like, yeah. By the uh, way, everybody, I just lost lose. the game, and all you of you did too. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I've been winning for like twelve years at this point, dude. Ah uh, no! <laughs> what a strip. Do people? Do kids today even know about the game? Like how? I, 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 I don't want to <laughs> ask because I don't want to see heartbreak. All right. But I also don't want to be like the people that the game dies with, you know. Maybe, to maybe to our listeners, do. do you know what the game is? And if so, did you just lose the game? <laughs> if if so, real sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> You've been winning for so long. Okay. Now, perhaps the worst of it is that Savala could have avoided this fate, right? A simple functional errata Ooh, boo, hiss. We don't like those. Uh, functional rata appended to her parlay ability could nip this right in the bud. 
and all we need is activate only as an instance. We see this all over the place. This would enforce the already popular mana floating for her ability and render any future criminal activity impossible, right? Whenever we look at anything like Lion's Eye Diamond, uh, any kind of thing that uh, is a mana ability or would be a mana ability, but interacts with uh, some objects in the game or in, in another zone, any sort of weird thing that a mana ability shouldn't normally be doing, we always want to slow that down to instant speed or even sorcery speed. And that prevents shenanigans like Panglacial Worm. So at this time, uh, looking at 1,271 Subal Explorer return decks, that's not enough. Uh, and uh, only 1.18% of them have Panglacial Worm. So let's get that first number up. More Sovala decks and the second number down, down to 0% because this is illegal. So, uh, Mike, have you called BS? And to our readers and listeners, what are some other magic interactions that blow your mind or just downright shouldn't exist? Uh, thank you very much for reading, or in this case, listening to my debut article. And we'll see you next time there. Thank you very much, Alex. So, Mike, that's, uh, that is the article. And hopefully that wasn't too dense or too verbose. Uh, I, I think we hit it pretty good. Okay. And like I said, it, it's it's a, hey, the rule says this. The rule is very long, right? All, yeah. <laughs> all of the rules are a All of the of rules sentences. are incredibly long because they have Lots to have every contingency. 100%. They have to reference other rules inside of them. Yep. But the, the principle of that is, okay, here's the rule. What the hell does that rule mean? Yeah. Well, it means this. Oh, okay. So, Nethroy is a negative 20, negative 20 in our graveyard. Math works where if you add a negative number, it becomes less. Cool. Got if it. you subtract a negative number. Right. Yeah. Then well, it becomes, no. If you, subtract, if you subtract a negative number... Then it becomes addition. Then it becomes addition. Yeah. But if you're adding a negative number, then you're less... It's less... Whatever. Point is... <laughs> <laughs> minus 20. Got it. Cool. Great. Grant. Um, and with Selvala and the interaction of doing something that as a part of the action, reveals extra information and does extra stuff while you're doing things that aren't interacting the way that they should. You didn't know it was cheating, so it's no big deal. Now right. you do. Now you so, do. If you're listening to this, hey, if you want to have this experience again, uh, just search up jury nullification on Google, and that'll ruin <laughs> something else for you, I promise. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. Just don't. It's okay. Um, <laughs> What other interactions hmm. uh, blow our minds? Well, I won't put you on the spot. Yeah. Well, I've already said it. Banding is the weirdest thing, and I don't understand how yeah. it works, but I still want to. But I'm not – here's the thing. It would make me really happy for you to write an article about banding, but I love you as a human being, so I'm also not going to tell you that you need yeah, to Yeah, I'll think that. about it. That's uh, – <laughs> I don't know how much appeal that would actually – like, sure, people like to joke about banding, but as far as the actual sure. – interest level that people have in running cards with banding or learning more about it i think they just like it because it's uh it stumps people it's silly yeah it's it it's silly and here's the thing i think a lot like these kind of interactions if somebody called me out on it hey you're not you're not banding right i'd be like are you sure and then <laughs> there is a 98 percent chance that they say i actually i'm not i'm just i don't oh know. my god um because that's how you just make is. up your own rules about banding. Yeah, terrible. Uh, I mean, 
you know, I don't understand banding. I, I understand mutate, but I don't. You know, it's stuff like that, right? Um, no, I, I, I really enjoyed this. And I know this is, uh, these are topics that we've talked about a little bit yeah, we have on the podcast before. But, you know, people have asked for a little bit more of information on them. And it's your debut article. We're going to give you some shine. It's That's so how this works. Um, Alex, is there anything else that you want to hit? Anything else I want to hit? Well, um, I know that uh, as far as our podcast is concerned, that mm-hmm. yes, we've had a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, we're planning on getting back into a much more regular recording and, and posting schedule. Yeah. And crucially, uh, at time of recording, we have, I think, roughly about a month until next spoiler season starts. So we're going to get in some good episodes uh, prior to the next set review, uh, talk about some topics we've wanted to talk about, maybe get in some yeah. listener questions, uh, maybe look at uh, some other articles, maybe look at uh, some cool things we've been seeing. Um, we have a lot of ideas, Mike. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, if anyone wanted to holler at you for any of the cool ideas that they either they want to know more about or they want your take on or if they want to give us a cool idea so we can add it to the list of cool ideas that we have because uh, it's a great list i'm okay if the list is long yeah right it just long gets longer and longer list exactly how would they be able to get a hold of you absolutely you can find me on twitter at lapermedic l-a-p-p-e-r-m-e-d-i-c um, or you can check out my other project which is commanderspellbook.com we talk about combos uh, and index combos, all the EDH and Singleton combos that can ruin someone's day. Not too much about Savala and Panglacia Worm because that's not necessarily going to end the game. It's just going to ruin your entire life. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm sure that we can uh, find something for you on there. So you go to commanderspellbook.com and search uh, just like Scryfall, just like Google. Search up your favorite cards and see what kind of combos you can make with them. So... Before we get into the rest, Alex, I've got a surprise for you. Oh? I actually used Commander Spellbook earlier today. Did you really? Yes. Uh, my my wonderful girlfriend, who's taking care of me uh, in this obnoxious time, I'm sure. Uh, Bless her. Wanted me to help her make another deck. So she has a Gishath deck. And mm-hmm. she has a Lieza deck, the first one, mm-hmm. the the mean one, but the less mean one yeah. of the two. Yeah. Um, and she told me she wanted to have just something, you know, fun, but not like convoluted, not crazy, right? So I decided I was going to make her a Rin and Sari inseparable deck. That is so we sweet. Love, we love we love pets. Best best dog and cat living together. Yeah. End of days. And, I mean, I've got a lot of the cards that I would want to run in a deck like that anyway. So it's like, okay, great. Let's let's make something low to the ground and fun and just, yay, cats and dogs. Cats and dogs. And uh, I clicked on the Commander Spellbook link that was on there on EDH Rec. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of scared me how I already have all of the infinite combos. That's just the best, right? When... When yeah. you discover that you already have a combo in the deck, you didn't even know about it. And I'm sitting here and it's like, you know what? I have Earthcraft in a deck. But would I be okay it's taking pricey. Earthcraft? Would I be fine taking Earthcraft out of that deck to put it into this deck for my girlfriend, Amanda, and for her to just go, wait a second. I'm not going to tell her about the combos. I'm just going to be really happy when they happen all of a sudden. And 
I mean, I've got a proxy Aluren. Mm. So I'm happy to run that. And so are the people that I play with. Dangerous. So it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like 40 cents away from giving her so many infinite combos of all of the doggos in this deck. Infinite doggos. And, uh, and it's, and that's good, right? Even, even if you just, I, I asked her how many doggos and how many tokens would be too many. And she said, there's, I don't know. There's no finite number that would be too many, Mike. Well, she said 20. And I said, that's what if you could make not a enough. billion? Yeah. <laughs> I said, what if, what if you could make a billion and just have them hang out? And she says, okay, that's good. Welcome to the doggo fields. Yes, Only doggos exactly. here. Um, so if you want to hear more stuff like that, you can communicate with Alex and all the positions that he told you you can find him. Uh, you can also find us at Twitter at EDH underscore social or email us at the social contract EDH at gmail.com. Uh, you can also join our Discord server. Uh, it's there that we get a lot of the topics for our shows. We were a little selfish about this one, but I think we're due every once I mean, time. Mike was very you know kind. I, mean? I wasn't necessarily about to just come on here and read my whole article. But, I you did know, kind of insist. He, he insisted. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and on our Discord, which is very cozy situation, mind yeah. you, we, uh, we interact with our listeners all the time. We talk about all sorts of things, not just the podcast, but about uh, things in magic, what people are playing. We look at their decks. Uh, we talk about uh, any number of things, social contract or otherwise, and uh, yeah, and it's just a friendly bunch. You just come out and in and join us. As an example, right now I'm looking and find a ghoul is talking about proxies and yeah, I was talking with them about proxies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, that's happening as we speak, and proxies are something that affect everybody. That's right, not just us as a social contract kind of. And thing. And I'm so, for proxies, for the record, pro yeah. proxy. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, I made two decks. Uh, one of them. I made a Glunch deck. We've talked about Glunch. We love Our, Glunch. Yes, the Bestower. Much good. Um, also, one of the people in our Discord made a Glunch deck. Yeah, I think a couple people happy to, Yeah, and, and I was happy because all the ones that I've seen, I went in a different direction. Um, but they all they all went pretty group huggy and, you I know, mean, how could you political. Not? They went really fun with it, and yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, the other one that I made was the Beamtown Bullies. And how bully would you say did you go with it? For every one mean card, I, I that, this was my rule. For every mm. one mean card I put in, I had to put in two cards that fit more our social contract. Okay. Right? So I put in things like, I was really happy to put in the uh, Druid of Purification. Of course. Because, yeah, we're going to do that. But then I'm going to give it to somebody else later. Mm. And just ask them not to pick me. And it still puts me at a disadvantage because the other two players can pick me. Yes. But we're going to be fair about everything, right? Um, so for every, you know, Druid of Purification and Veteran Explorer that I put in, uh, I, I also put in a leveler. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's one of those. I'm, <laughs> I have a leveler in my to, deck. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know what? We're going we're gonna to do stuff like this. So two nice cards to one mean card every time. So yeah, that's, those uh, might be decks. Uh, that's probably going to yeah. be the nicest Beamtown Bullies deck that most people will have seen. Because for I, most I'm, people, it's one mean card per mean card, and they're yep. just all mean. Yep. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, this is my Beamtown Buddies Aww. deck. Because we're all buddies. We're all group. Ragamuffins. Um, but 
if you're mean to my buddies, my buddies are going to be mean to you. <laughs> that's that's just how it's going to work. Uh, it's it's basically my arch enemy slayer deck. But yeah, those might be things we talk about. We might talk about some of your decks if uh, you holler Exciting. at us. And in the meantime, thanks for being patient with us. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you again very soon. <laughs>